Do you know what it takes to move good to great? Are you almost where you need to be but not quite there yet? Find your way to success today. Welcome to the James Stentley Show with Dr. James Stentley. We've got the tips and guidance you need to propel your success to the next level. Now, here's your host, Dr. James Stentley. Well, it's Friday, and welcome back to the show. This is Dr. James Dentley on the James Dentley Show. My wife, Dr. Kara Dentley, is out with the children today. And we have our grandson and our son, so it's quite noisy. So we wanted to make sure they can have a, a great time out in the park while we really get down to business. Now, welcome to our show uh, where we don't just think outside the box because in our world, there is no box. Look, I don't want to talk about a lot of the the cliches and all the other things that I can share with you as far as mindset, as far as business development and personal development, overcoming self-defeating behaviors, because I have the most incredible guests on our show since we started this show. And I'm truly excited to have her. Uh, this young lady, name is Sharon Lecter. Now, Sharon Lecter, what I didn't know, has been inducted to the Personal Development Hall of Fame. After researching that, the reason I don't know about it, because I'm not close to being inducted there yet. But she is the founder and CEO of her company, Pay Yourself First. She's developed several technologies and several programs when it comes to financial literacy and just really how to understand how money works, but how you work in the same space of that. She is the author of a co-author of the Rich Dad, Poor Dad and 14 other books in the Rich Dad series. But she's authored, authored several of her own books, co-authored books like Three Feet from Gold uh, from the Napoleon Hill Foundation, Outwitting the Devil. Oh, an epic book. We have to talk about that one. And Think and Grow Rich for Women, the most incredible woman that I've met in my space in being in, in personal development. And trust me, I've been around quite a few. Uh, she also was the first, was on the first presidential advisory board, let me get that right, uh, the first presidential advisory council for President mm -hmm. Bush and President Obama, and has launched a play big movement as well. And she and her husband, Michael, have the child help, so many initiatives. So she's an author, an entrepreneur, a philanthropist. I mean, just a, a marvel in my, in my space. Sharon, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you, James. I think I'm going to take you around with me. That was an incredible introduction. Thank you. You made me sound pretty good. 90% of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to get right down to it. And, uh, you know, my first question is always simple. Uh, because I don't want to tell someone else's story. So can you share for all of us who are listening and watching, can you share with us a little bit about your story? Well, certainly, James. Um, you know, I grew up, my father had a third grade education, my mother eighth grade, um, totally self-taught. He ended up running the engineering school for the Navy. But their, their dream was that their girls would get college educations, and I was the youngest. So when I graduated from college, I, probably one of the few days I ever saw my dad emotional. But I grew up in a house, a small house between my mother's beauty shop, my dad's used car lot, and we had rental properties, we had orange groves, and I swore I would never be an entrepreneur. I wanted to get, a, you know, get good grades, get a degree, become a CPA, become a partner in the firm and retire um, rich and, you know, not have to deal with all that other stuff. Yes. Well, at the age of 25, I realized I was working ungodly hours, probably 80 hours a week. And I said, I'm going to work this hard. I should be working for myself, not someone else. Mm -hmm. And that's when the mm -hmm. entrepreneur, all of a sudden, my parents were a whole lot smarter. 
when I was 25. And uh, I, I left public accounting and started um, as an entrepreneur, and I've never looked back. So you fast forward a few years, I ended up meeting my husband, and we got married, and um, my kids didn't like to read, so I met the inventor of the first talking children's books. We helped grow that company into a global brand, um, books with the sound strips down the side. We partnered with companies like Disney, Warner Brothers, Sesame Street, and which helped us validate the technology in parents' eyes, because of course they trusted those brands. Yeah. And sold that company in 91, and uh, that's when we moved here to Arizona. I've been here ever since. Mm-hmm. The following year, our oldest son, Philip, who loves and adores you, James, went off to college. And um, in his first semester, he came home in December in credit card debt, asking us to bail him out. We refused to do it. It took him seven years to get out of debt. And but that was he's as passionate as I am today about financial literacy. So it was a good decision on our part. Not all of our parenting decisions were so good. But that was December of 1992. And that's when I dedicated the rest of my career to financial and entrepreneurial education and supporting people taking control of their financial lives or building their businesses to income generating assets so that they can create financial a financial foundation of health and wealth for their family. And that was 92. Fast forward a few years is when I met uh, Kiyosaki. Um, he actually had gone to see my husband, Michael, who's an intellectual property attorney. I helped him commercialize the game cash flow. And during that process, um, you know, he wanted to charge $200 for the game. And I said, maybe we should write a brochure. And so the brochure we wrote together and we became partners. And that little brochure was called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Wow. We had no idea that it was going to take on a life of its own. And um, we thought our brand was Cashflow, the name of our company and the game. But the world said, no, 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 your brand is Rich Dad. So that started a a 10-year partnership and um, journey. We wrote 15 books together. And in 07, we'd been partners for 10 years, the height of our success. But I was no longer aligned with my personal mission. Um, He wanted to go into franchising. Great model for us, not a good model for franchisees. So I made the decision to leave. And it was kind of like, um, I thought Rich Dad was my legacy. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, my gosh, now what? And, um, you know, somebody upstairs had more for me to do. And that's when I got the call from President Bush. So I tell people, sometimes you have to close one door for other doors to open. I wouldn't have gotten that call had I still been at Rich Dad. Fast mm-hmm. forward another few months, I got the call from the Napoleon Hill Foundation. We know what happened to the economy in 2008. They called me to say, you know, we need your help to reinvigorate the teachings of Napoleon Hill. Again, I wouldn't have had that call had I still been at Rich Dad. So I always challenge everybody to think about, is there a door in your life that you need to close so other doors can open? And that started a journey over the last 10 years. Um, I have my own company, Pay Your Family First. And then I've written four books now with the Napoleon Hill Foundation, Three Feet from Gold, as you referenced, Outwitting the Devil, Think and Grow Rich for Women, and this September, Success and Something Greater will be released. So I really cherish and adore my relationship with John Green at the Napoleon Hill Foundation and have been just just so blessed and honored to be part of reinvigorating his teachings. And that kind of brings me to today. Um, this Yesterday, I got the notice I've been appointed to the Financial Literacy Task Force for the state of Arizona. So continue working on governmental efforts to change the law to make sure our kids get taught financial um, education while they're still in school. Wow. 
I mean, what a rich life and you're still building. And the thing I want all the listeners and everyone who watches this, even on YouTube, to understand is that everyone's approachable. You know, from, from the very beginning when I met you, you were always approachable, always gracious, always professional and accessible as well. So I thank you for that and all you've done. But one thing stuck out to me that I want to go back to, and then we're going to deep sea dive into some of the history and what it really takes to, to, to understand the foundation of the laws that we need to operate on to become financially solvent, especially in an economy as it's moving today. You mentioned your son, Phil, and he was in credit card debt. It took him seven years to get out. He came to you and asked you, to, you and your husband, Michael, to help him out, and you refused. And as a parent, a lot of times we want to help our children, and if we can, uh, with the best of intentions, we bail them out of those things. And sometimes we kind of enable them. So can you give me just a thinking? I know there's no absolutes in the philosophy and you're not trying to tell every parent what to do, but what made you make that decision? And can we elaborate a little bit more on the outcome of that decision? Sure. Well, as I said, we haven't always made the right decision. We've bailed our kids out plenty of times. But, you know, at that point in time, um, he'd gone away in September and came home in December. Not only had he gotten himself $2,500 in credit card debt, but he discovered a savings account that he blew through another $2,500. So he had a really good time his first semester in college. And um, it was, you know, do you, con- do you um, edify the, the situation or the choices that he made? by making it painless or do you say all right let's face what happened and what are the alternatives okay so as it turned out he ended up having to move back home out of the dorms um, so that he could get a part-time job and start earning the money to get himself out of it and that was something that was a really tough lesson for him but it was a good lesson and um, too many times we talk about our kids ages of entitlement we want to put our kids in bubbles and they never learn how to deal with adversity. And the sooner, the youngest age they can deal how to, the fact that adversity happens and they get, they, they'll live through it and the choices they make will determine their future success. Yeah. The, the sooner they can do that, the better. And what happens too many times is we, we keep our children um, failure free. We put a yeah. bubble around them. And then when they're out on their own, they don't know what to do when they have adversity. Yeah. It's so important for us to be there and to be able to see them fail and see them recover and let them realize that they did that on their own. And all of a sudden you see their self-confidence grow. That's yeah. why I created the Thrive Time game, which is Thrive Time for Teens. And it's to give these children the opportunity to experience failure in a safe environment with play money to realize that every choice they make either takes them towards success or not, yes. but it's their choice to make. And we live in a society where we have too many victim mentalities. I want those victim mentalities to shift to victor, that you are in control of your life and you are making the decisions mm-hmm. on whether you're going forward or not. Yeah, absolutely. I remember as a little kid, I'm, I'm going to fight with my best friend. We tend to do that a lot. And he's on top of me and he just well in the way. And I see my mother's feet at the top of the stairs. And in my mind, I know she's going to stop the fight. So I just started taking a few blows. <laughs> and she never stopped the fight. The fight. She never stopped it. And then when it was over, uh, she walked me in the house and she looked at me and she, she said, it hurt me to see you go through, to go through that. But I had to let you learn how to fight. 
And even in my life, I tell people that my scars have scars, but they're beautiful scars because they, they made me. I never created sustainable success until I stopped asking for help and took responsibility for just me. And the first time in my life I really did that 100%, it saved me. So, yeah, just all the parents out there, there's a lot to think about in that, you know, too. Let your children go through adversity so they can build the muscles necessary for the pressure that comes from lifting those weights. That's pretty That's cool. right. That muscle memory is important and will last a lifetime. And, you know, there's depending, lots of different sources, but the idea of living um, above the line because below the line is lay blame and justify, right? Make excuses. Above the line is to be accountable, yeah. to be, you know, to be responsible and to be, you know, in control of your own decisions mm-hmm. and not try and pointing fingers. So, Absolutely. Well, before the show is over, I want everyone out there, everyone, you got to go out there and get these books because I'm telling you that leaders are readers. Now, not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers because they know their stuff and you want to learn from the best is out there and someone who's already owns their space in this field, but yet is still, still growing. So we got a lot to talk about. I'm going to get to the cows, but I want to talk about a few books, and I want to start with one of the oldest books out there, which was Outwitting the Devil. And I love when you narrate it. It really brings it to life. So can you tell us a little bit about what that story, that book is all about, and why it took so long for it to be released? Absolutely. Well, we need to start with Think and Grow Rich, because that book Napoleon Hill wrote, and it was a 25-year endeavor. Andrew Carnegie charged him with studying success, and the reason it's such a powerful book and is applicable today as it was when it was released um, in 1937 is the fact that it wasn't one man's philosophy. Um, Andrew Carnegie introduced him to 500 of the richest men, because women weren't in business back then, Mm -hmm. and he said, I think we have a common commonality, that uh, common traits. And so he went on this journey to write Think and Grow Rich, and it's an incredible book. But when he released it in 1937, he was frustrated mm-hmm. because he said, even though people know what they're supposed to do to become successful, they don't do it. Now, you know, I can look in the mirror and feel a little busted. I'm sure everybody listening and watching this is probably, you know, know that t- there are times when you know you should do something, you simply don't do it. Well, he was frustrated because here, here I am, the guardian of the thesis of success, and yet I haven't created the level of success I want to in my life. And so in a few short months, in 1938, he sat down and he used the word downloaded, wrote Outwitting the Devil, which is a book that talks about how fear controls us, how fear keeps us from creating the success that we deserve. But the title scared his wife to death. She worked for the Presbyterian College, and she forbid it to be published. So it was locked away in a vault. He died in 1970. She died in the 90s. Her sister died just um, in about eight or nine. And that was when the book, the manuscript actually found its way to the Napoleon Hill Foundation. So the month we released Three Feet from Gold in um, October of 09, Don Green called me again and said, Sharon, I have this manuscript. I don't know what to do with it. So he sent it to me, and I ran over to San Diego, which is where I do most of my writing, and I had this incredible experience because, of course, the manuscript was on a manual typewriter, had handwritten notes by Napoleon Hill. I felt like I was in the twilight zone. Wow. 
And reading it, it just completely changed my thinking and helped me understand so much more about the negativity around me and the people around me and how I could handle it, how I could deal with my own negativity. And it, it really helped me change my outlook and my life and my relationships. And I said, this has to get out. And so I was incredibly honored to be able to introduce it. And I do have, um, you know, and for those diehard Hill fans, you know, I said, I don't want to, you know, the interruption. Our goal was to bring Napoleon Hill's teaching to the younger generation. And so diehard Hill fans can read it and skip my, my, uh, my sections because they're in a different type face and they're bolded. So you can go right over them if you don't want to read my stuff. But I compare what happened in 1938 to today so that people that are new to Napoleon Hill get a little bit more history um, as they read the book. And then when we did the audio, which is, I, I told the publisher, we have to have two voices so that we had that grovelly voice in the, in the devil's voice. And it, it really works. It's like a radio drama. Yeah. The book is about how we allow fear, fear of, um, of failure, fear of loss of love, fear of criticism, which is pervasive in today's Ooh. society, yes. hold us back and make decisions that are not healthy for us. Right. Now, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back to that because fear, uh, that's the thing that stifles us. And that's just a story that most of us is creating in our head or it's coming from our paradigm and our, our, our sense of uh, uh, our stature in the world, what makes things right for us in the world. So we're going to take a short break. We're going to come right back with the amazing Sharon Lecter. Sharon, thank you for all you do, but I'm so thankful that there's more to come. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with with us at be the star you are radio.com and the voice america empowerment channel how do you define work is it that mundane monday through friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment achievement and purpose if you are looking to make your work life the latter tune in to working on purpose with elise cortez There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. You're listening to Black Friday every Friday here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Grow. Evolve. Change. You're tuned in to The James Stentley Show. We'd love to hear from you via email with questions and comments. Drop us a line to JD at thejamesdentleyshow.com. Again, that's JD at thejamesdentleyshow.com. Now, back to the show. Well, we're back with Sharon Lecter, the founder of Pay Your Family First. And 
I mean, with so much documentation, I ran out of paper. I tell you, Sharon, we were just talking about fear and how fear stops us in so many levels of our life and so many situations. And, uh, you know, we even we know better when we let uh, a sense of not being good enough or criticism, uh, you know, stop us. So can you go a little bit deeper than that and continue on to Three Feet from Gold, I Went in the Devil, and how all these things came together? Oh, absolutely, James. And you know, I, I usually, I start with an example, like, you know, what did your parents say about money, right? They said money doesn't grow on trees, we can't afford it, pinch your pennies, save for a rainy day. All of those comments have one thing in common, they're negative. Hmm. And so we grow up hearing money negative, money negative, money negative, money negative. No wonder we have this mindset of scarcity. We're afraid we're never going to have enough money. And then when we actually get some a level of success and some money, we're afraid we're going to lose it. And we go, where did that come from? Well, we know subconsciously that fear of losing money, fear of poverty comes from this lifelong um, reference to money in a negative manner. Same thing, fear of criticism. We're so afraid what somebody else is going to think of us. And so, you know, Outwitting the Devil talks about identifying that. And once you can really think about it and identify it, you can almost release the trigger that it causes. Um, One of the things that we talk about um, with fear of criticism is, you know, when you understand it, you can put that cone of protection on yourself and be able to move forward. But so many of us live in this arena of everything is so fearful. We want to close down our mind. I go, the choice of our words are so important. When you say we can't afford it, it's a negative statement. You want, you want to kind of hide in the corner. So I say, just watch how you speak. Instead of saying, I can't afford it, say, how can I afford it? Because that opens your mind. It triggers that entrepreneurial spirit, makes you want to come up with a way. So it opens you to the possibilities. And that's, you know, it's so important. And part of the book about Wood and the Double, one of the reasons it wasn't published early on was it talks about religion. It goes into religion and sex and goes into all those taboo subjects. But it says, did you, did you learn your religion through fear or did you learn your religion through faith? And it, was, it really hit home for me because I basically lived and grew up in the Southern Baptist Church. And I had one minister that was all fire and brimstone. You know, I just was sure I was going to hell. And yet the youth minister was just full of love and life, the love of Jesus. You know, and so I, it really hit home for me as I was reading that because I could really see how the impact of both of those avenues had on me. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Wow. Wow. So in the scope of that, you're saying that once we become aware and we, we become awareness, you know, I, I've, been, I've been talking every day for mm, maybe two hours to different teams, and my voice is a little raspy, but I, I really kind of anchored into the concept of know thyself, to really know thyself, to get back to who you really are as a, a part of God in itself, you know, because great is he who lives in me, the healers in the world. So we are of the nat- nature. Uh, even Jesus said, the things I do, you shall do also. Not that you might, that you shall do also. You know, so that power always resides in ourselves. So it's, to me, it came down to just know thyself, to know thyself in the truest nature. And in that, you find so much um, acceptance, gratitude, and inner peace. So as you move forward from uh, Napoleon Hill, I went in the devil, in the three feet from gold, and now into thinking growers for women, 
can you take us like on a journey of the things that you would share with us? If I was working directly with you or my wife, uh, what would you say are the steps in order to becoming, to create the success in your life as defined for your life? Well, I think, and that's part of the, what is laid out and outwitting the devil is how to conquer that fear. And certainly the first one is definiteness of purpose. Right. The, one of the one of the most most compelling um, issues that's brought up in the book is this concept of drifting, and it really is so pervasive in today's society. Drifters are people who go with the flow; they don't know what they want. You know, and in the book, Hill says ninety eight percent of us are drifters, and the non drifters are the ones who know what they want and they're going after it. But you, when you read that and you hear about drifters automatically people come to your mind that you know that are like that, that don't have a mission, they don't have a goal, and they just kind of exist and live and, you know, get let everyone else control their destiny. Mm-hmm. And it's such a powerful concept that I, I really think it's important for people to understand, do you have a definite purpose? And, um, and James, I, six and a half years ago, I lost my youngest son and something you know, I, I – I became less focused on what I wanted because when everyone listening and watching probably had something that stopped them in their tracks, but you're not supposed to outlive your children. Mm-hmm. And I continued working and I continued speaking that I was not the same person. I was numb. Mm-hmm. And um, I just kind of didn't have a goal anymore. And about a year and a half ago, I thought, you know, maybe I should just retire because I just, you know, I wasn't getting that same feed um, from feeling like I was contributing and I got a lot of pushback. And yeah. so I made this com- this decision to launch the play big movement, which is a private Facebook page. And mm-hmm. um, it, cause it made me wake up to the realize. And I think I even got a little push from my son from above saying, get over it, mom. It's t- there's, there's more for you to do. Yeah. All of us are here for a reason. There's more for each of us to do. And and become a non-drifter. Have that definite purpose. Have something, you know, your successes and your learning opportunities Mm -hmm. can help others. You know, and that's me. I grew up as a little girl. My dad would say, Sharon, have you added value to someone's life today? And that's my mantra. You know, he's been gone 14 years, but I still ask myself, have I added value to someone's life today? Yes. Focus on that. We can focus on that and focus on making a contribution being givers, not takers, um, wouldn't the world be such a better place? Yeah, outstanding. Now, when a person begins to identify their purpose, a definiteness of purpose, and they get an idea, this is what I want, but then most people get stuck on, okay, what do I do? And how do I go about acquiring it, achieving it? What's the process that most of us don't understand? There's a process. We just want it, like children. So what would be the next step you would suggest when someone has a clarity on what they really want? Well, in, um, in the book, Three Feet from Gold, we introduced the personal success equation. So let me go over that real fast because I think it really clarifies. To be truly successful, you need to combine your passion and your talent. And so my passion was actually anger, mad that we weren't teaching kids about money. My talent was I'm a CPA by training. I have a bunch of experience in publishing. And most of us stop there thinking we have to do it on our own. Mm-hmm. A true success comes through the power of association. So P plus T, passion plus talent times A. 
power of association, having the right people on your team, having the ability to have strong associations like you and I are right now, James, as we are on this air together, times A, taking action. So many of us know what we're supposed to do, but don't do it. And then plus F, and that F is faith, having faith in yourself, having faith that what you're doing is needed and necessary, and have that faith will sustain you through the ups and downs, um, through the valleys of your business. Most successful businesses either solve a problem or serve a need. And so if you're looking at how to create success in your life, maybe you're an employee and that there's nothing wrong with being an employee. It's not what you do for your paycheck. It's what you do with your paycheck that determines your ability to be truly successful. And that's where the power of association, having the right people on your team and in your life, understanding bad associations can harm you so much more. Make sure you understand people you shouldn't be around and that power of taking action. And then know that you have that definite purpose. You don't give up perseverance and also learning that adversity is part of the process. You know, certainly in, in network marketing, you understand that no is a rejection is something that is, you know, you just wait how many no's until you get to a yes, right? And knowing that you can continue moving forward. And when you hear a no, I hear not now, not yet, mm-hmm. right? And not, not feel rejected. It's not you. It's a situation. It's the time of day. And continue moving forward because you have value. You have, if you think about instead of trying to sell somebody, that instead of selling, you're serving. Yes. Knowing that what you have can improve their lives. Mm-hmm. Changes the dynamics of how you present yourself. Amen. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at do change. Okay. All right. So you don't make statements of what you can't do. If you're confused or you don't know what your next steps are, you ask yourself better questions. I remember I had a friend of mine named George Zalaki. Uh, I watched this gentleman. Uh, getting a company in, in 1998, we were in, in the UK. And for 20 years, I watched him build a residual income of about $400,000 a month, 20 years. And he empowered people all over the world. And we were on a, on a trip going to Crete, Greece. And he said, you know what, James? I said, what's that, George? He said, most people don't know the right question to ask. But we always come up with the right statements of what we can't do that are limiting because when you speak it, that comes from the, your belief system. It comes from the anchor of the core of your true belief. And it took me 10 years, Sharon. I didn't admit that I didn't know the right question to ask. I was at the same position he was. But it took me 10 years to find out what the right question was. And the question for me was, how can I achieve the goals that I want to achieve? And the mind being open loop, then the computer starts to seek that. The conscious mind begins to command the subconscious to search for those answers. Uh, so I thank you because you're part of the process. Now, I want to go into Think and Grow Rich for Women. Okay, now, Napoleon Hill wrote about men. Uh, Dennis Kimball wrote about African-Americans, the black choice. Uh, we had a young lady who wrote about the Caribbean because culturally some things could be a little bit different from the standpoint of where you uh, – because, you know, we, we're anchored in most of the time from our environment. So why women? And I truly believe before you start – that the biggest uh, hiccup we have is that we have a language interruption, and it's not English and Spanish, it is gender. So, thinking about for women. Well, thank you, James, because you know, in my, I've been around a long time. I've been, I've been in um, business for well over 45 years. So, 
It's something when I first started, I was one of the very few women ever hired by a public accounting firm. So it was well before glass ceiling term came up, well before sexual discrimination came up. We just knew as women we had to work harder. And so I've always felt that the steps to success were the same for men and women. But as I've gotten more mature, I realize even though the steps of success are the same, we tend to approach them very differently. And I thought, let's see if we can take Think and Grow Rich and look at Honor Napoleon Hill, and it's the same chapter format, but I look at each chapter and each step to success and look at that through the eyes of successful women. Then I share how I've used that principle in my own career, and then I share quotes. I have over 300 women that I honor and highlight in the book. It was such a fun project. But the one of the other reasons I wrote it, James, is I was getting really frustrated. This was in um, 2013, 20, you know, I started writing it, 2012, it was released in 2014. Um, I was frustrated because when we talk about the law of attraction, right, you say something negative, you attract negative results. Mm-hmm. I was getting really tired of all the complaining that women were doing, complaining about the men in their way, standing in their way. And I said, we need to stop. We need to change our dialogue. We need to stop complaining and we need to start celebrating. Yes. Do we have a lot more to do? Yes. Have we come a long way? Yes. So let's, instead of complaining and complaining about the men in our lives, let's celebrate the men like James Dentley. Let's celebrate the men who are supportive of women and let's celebrate the progress that we've made. That will allow us to make more progress more quickly because we're coming from a place of joy, mm-hmm. not a place of criticism. And so that, that was a really huge issue for me in writing Thinking Grow Rich for Women to celebrate what, where we've come from mm-hmm. and the progress we've made. Yes, there's much more to be done. The other thing was I was getting frustrated with this concept of work-life balance. Mm. You know, it, the word balance belongs in the yoga studio. We, we all have so many more aspects of our lives. We have our financial life, our, phys, our, our physical health life, our financial life, we have, um, you know, our family, our business, all of those things, our community, all of those things come together to make who we are. So I added one chapter to the book that was not in the original one called One Big Life. And I say to women everywhere, stop wasting precious time today worried about work-life balance because that you're worried about what happened yesterday or the day before. Just make a different choice. My definition that I found years ago that it helped me change my life, because I happen to be the queen of worry, um, was to worry is to pray for what you don't want. Again, attracting negative results. And so when you catch yourself worrying, reframe your brain mm-hmm. and focus on what you don't want. Yes. Focus on what you do want. And it's magical. You'll see instant results. I have. I still have my worry storms. I still catch myself, but then I stop going, Sharon, stop concentrating on what I'm fearing, what I don't want to have. Let's concentrate on what I do want, mm-hmm. and it makes a big difference. I never forget, I met a woman in a, uh, in a, in a restaurant, at a hotel I was traveling, and we, my wife sent me down there, she had to pick up some food, and bring it back up. And she, um, elderly woman, and she had been in the NASCAR industry for many years. She was talking to another gentleman who, uh, was in that field. I think he was a former racer. And he was talking about how she mentored him. And they brought me into the conversation. And she said a couple of things I never forget. She said, said, before I teach you how to how to how to win, 
I first must teach you how to finish. And she said that when you're going around the track in a car or through life, um, you're going to lose control sometimes. The car is going really, really fast. In a life, we're going to lose control. So the key is when the car, when you lose control of the car, you never look at the wall. You always look at where you want the car to go. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Bob Bondurant, who is a very famous driver, um, still probably holds the records, is a dear friend of mine, and he's actually highlighted in the book Success is Something Greater, and that's exactly what he says. You focus on where you want to go and uh, not, not where you don't want to go, and that's, that gets you, gets, you, it gets you centered on a positive outcome. Yeah, absolutely. The things that you want are above your head, not the things below your feet. Mm-hmm. Jerome said it best, it's not the blowing of the wind, it's the set of the sail because the wind blows on us some. Sharon, I, I, we ran into each other at Frank Shankowitz's uh, movie premiere. And first of all, that was a really good movie. Oh, my God. Uh, not just because I know him, but would you agree that was a great movie? Oh, they did a fantastic job. We, we were together in the L.A. premiere, and then two nights later, I hosted the premiere here in Arizona. I mean, it just, it is heart, heart touching. It, is, it, it proves that one person, every one of us can make a difference in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I came back home, and I said, I, I sent Greg a text and said, okay, I want a premiere in Chicago. We want to bring it here. Whatever it takes, let's get it here because it was so impactful. Now, your philosophy when it comes to philanthropy and out making a difference in the world, can you share some of the things, your initiatives you're doing, what's important, and how can people who listen to you and believe in your work, how can they support the initiatives that you have out there? Well, you can certainly find me in all social media under Sharon Lecter. Um, I have a personal Facebook and a professional author, Sharon Lecter, and then Instagram, LinkedIn. But my private Facebook group is called Play Big Movement with Sharon Lecter. And this is where when I decided to get back in the game, I wanted to share the things that I was doing Mm -hmm. and be able to invite people to come along with me. So things that I'm doing, you can do as well. So the Play Big Movement. Okay, we're going to take a short break, come right back, and talk a little bit more about the Play Big Movement and how exciting it's going to be when each and every one of you decide to play big and get into the movement. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Redson. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's time to transform your life. Start by tuning in to The Glenise Show with Glenise Hughes. Glenise combines business, relationships, wealth, life, and a whole lot of magic to create abundance and prosperity in every part of your life. It's all done through straight and often frank discussions in the best way that Glenise knows how. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Master your life with The Glenise Show. You're listening to Black Friday every Friday here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Grow. 
evolve, change. You're tuned in to The James Stentley Show. We'd love to hear from you via email with questions and comments. Drop us a line to JD at the JamesDentleyShow.com. Again, that's JD at the JamesDentleyShow.com. Now, back to the show. Well, welcome back. We're here with Sharon Lecter. We're talking about the Play Big Movement. And I asked Sharon a question um, on the break. And Sharon and I were also on the uh, Think and Grow Rich World Tour with uh, Mr. John Sharon, having a lot of fun. Watching Sharon Impact Live just thrills my heart. I get so excited to see her do her thing. But Sharon, right now the world is moving very quickly. Uh, technology, the way we live, the way we think, the way we learn, everything is changing. Everything is changing. So what uh, would you say to all of us who are, you know, people work every day, they don't have privilege all the information. You know, what do we need to think about right now? Where's the world going and how can we really position ourselves to, to be a part of this great big, play big movement? Well, the first thing is, you know, we, we can't stop the evolution in technology, yes. but we can see what's happening in technology. Um, incredible, you know, instantaneous communication. And yet also um, a lot of it is um, not, you, you're losing that personal touch, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I always, I talk about um, people who write textbooks, right? You have a book that goes into the eye, into the brain, and that's what you want. But if you mm-hmm. want a book, that's really going to impact somebody's lives, it's got to go to the heart, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the importance of telling stories or parables because they can feel the emotional connection. And so as we talk about what's happening in the world and technology as it continues to advance and we start losing that personal touch, it's important for us to inject the emotional, the vulnerability, right? One of the things that some folks I started working with with the Play Big Movement was telling me, Sharon, you you need to be more vulnerable, right? Used to be you wanted to be the expert. You wanted to show you were the one that knew everything. You didn't want to show any kind of weakness. That was 15 years ago, the teacher in you, right? And today people want authenticity. They want your vulnerability. And that, that is because with technology, it gets cooler and cooler and cooler yes. you're, that's not that warm eye to eye or heart to heart touch so you need to interject that emotion and that vulnerability to keep that connection and that's something that I teach the people when I'm mentoring clients something that you know I've started one-on-one mentoring probably only seven eight years ago and I love it because it gives me the opportunity to pour from here into someone else's business and help them take it to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I totally agree uh, with that. There's nothing more powerful than the power of the human connection. Uh, that's when even the Bible says when two or three are gathered, and there's power in the midst that great things can be accomplished and shall be. Well, I tell you, so what's next for you? What are you doing right now? And how can we support the things you're doing? Because you, your whole life is about enhancing other folks. So let's talk about that. And then we want to go about talk about these cows you have. Well, thank you so much. Yes, I am. I'm excited about the Play Big movement. We haven't really even promoted it, but we have well over a thousand people in it now that have come just organically to come and support each other in really taking their businesses and their lives to the next level. Mm-hmm. I actually, I have some online courses as well called the Play Big Movement, and then I have a money mastery course. But the Play Big Movement private Facebook page is free. I also have a podcast, which we're going to record with you in a few minutes. We're going to 
I'm have you as one of my guests on the Play Big Movement podcast, which of course is also free. And that's my goal. My goal is to provide information that help people take and just have that wider vision and see the opportunity. Those opportunities are right next to you. Sometimes we just need to train ourselves to recognize them and yeah. to take them. And that power of association, this is my greatest joy when I can t- introduce someone to someone else and see exponential growth between the two. Having that power of connection and that collaboration, not that competition, is so important. So I invite everybody to join the Play Big Movement and to become part, you know, just come to SharonLector.com and support you, James, any way I can. And really, and this the, the world, the Think and Grow Rich World Legacy Tour, both of us are participating in. So I'm going to be in lots of different cities. You can go to TGRWorldTour.com to see where we're going to be. But I'm, I'm constantly driving to support and support individuals who really want to take that action to improve their lives. Awesome, awesome. Now we're going to shift gears and we're going to come up and not deep sea dive. We're going to ski a little bit. How many cows do you have? Why? And what's this thing about the cows? (laughs) (laughs) My husband and I have been married 39 years in September. Mm -hmm. And since the day we got married, he has wanted a survival property. Mm -hmm. About 15 years ago, we found this ranch. We both fell in love with it. But it was a lot bigger than what what he wanted. He wanted 10 acres somewhere so he'd go shoot his guns. And we found this place is 300 acres and 40,000 acres of grazing rights in the National Forest. And so we fell in love with it. And I said, you know, I, I have to practice what I preach. So I said, you know, we, but you're going to buy something. We need to turn it into an asset. So overnight, we became ranchers. We have 400 head of Black Angus cattle. And they're, I, I show it on the screen. I go, you see cattle. I see assets. Because those mamas give me babies every year, and that's our revenue stream. And then we built a beautiful guest lodge. So you can visit cherrycreeklodge.com. It's a great place to bring family, great place for family reunions. It's a fantastic place for um, corporate retreats or um, personal development retreats. It's completely off the grid. It's all solar power. We have our own well, best aquifer in the state of Arizona. We have a lake for fishing, guaranteed to catch fish. And we have horseback riding, ATVs, shooting range. So we have a little bit of everything. Okay. Um, and it's a little piece of heaven. And that website again was what? CherryCreekLodge.com. Okay. We're going to put that in the feed as well. Now, are your books sold on, just strictly on Amazon now? Or do you have a website they can go to? Um, you can go to SharonLector.com. All the books are there. But yeah, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the bookstores, all the books are available. Okay. Now, before we get out of here, uh, can you share with us a funny story? Oh, a funny story. <laughs> I like to put thought leaders on the spot with that one. <laughs> sure. Well, no. Um, I, the funniest story, well, I have a lot of funny stories. I've been around a long time. But I do like to share, um, people will ask me um, how my husband and I met. And my answer is he was going through my drawers because it's a true statement. When I decided to leave public accounting, I was I, one of my clients invited me to join him in a company. And so I, I 
made the decision. It's like I could do the pros and cons and argue both sides, but my hand kind of took over and said, why not? And that philosophy of why not has been kind of my ongoing mantra in life. Why not do something different? Why not take the path less traveled? Why not solve a problem or serve a need? So I made the decision to leave. And after a few weeks at this new company, I realized there was all kinds of corruption. So I ran away scared to death of what I was going to do with my newly achieved CPA license. I was afraid I was going to lose it. So I came back and the company that we acquired had been in some litigation and there were lawyers there doing discovery in the lawsuit. And so we, I met Michael Lecter as he was going through my desk in my office at this company. Mm-hmm. It was love at first sight. Um, and as I said, nine months later, we were married and we've been married 39 years. So, um, but it, it is, people say, <laughs> it took me 20 years to train him, though, James. Yeah. Most people will say, so who won the lawsuit, right? <laughs> and now he will say, I did in more than one way. So, but it took go. a while to train him with that answer. <laughs> it, it, it took a while for me to get trained, too, but here I am. And I'm no problem today. <laughs> I want to talk about, lastly, I mean, you know, I, I look at the personality types, and when I speak, I, I call them shark, dolphin, urchin, whale. The shark is a success-driven, very competitive, money-motivated. You know, they just like to get it done, make decisions quickly. The dolphins like to have a lot of fun. They were disorganized, sloppy, late for things. The urchins, they like information. I think we covered these three. And the whales are people who like to serve, and you talked about that. But let's talk about what you're doing in your nonprofits and what you're doing to philanthropic to make a difference. And why do you think that's important? Why do you know that's important? Well, I think it comes back to, you know, my my dad asking me if you added value to someone's life today. I serve on the National Board for Child Help, which is the largest organization fighting child abuse. I am, have my own nonprofit, the Economic Empowerment Foundation, which is where we use um, the funds to support financial education programs for children, teens, and um, families as something in entrepreneurs. So it's a matter of just being recognizing how grateful we are for the life we have and being grateful for the success we have, but also knowing and with that comes responsibility. As God says, you know, to as much Mm -hmm. is given, much is expected. And um, I think the more we give, the more we receive, and it's important to give back. Um, I've had the honor of being asked to be one of the chancellors for the 100th anniversary of Junior Achievement. So that's something that, that I'm thrilled with as well. And I, as I, I have chain, been involved with the President's Advisory Council, so we were able to get credit card companies to be, a, you know, we've got the law passed that prevents credit card companies from soliciting kids on college campuses, which was, I'm very proud of that. And then in Arizona, I got the law passed that requires personal financial education for high school graduation. And I think part of that is just always feeding us to continue supporting initiatives that are important to us and our families to make sure that everything we do creates a better, a greater good. Outstanding. Well, you just inspired me. I just am inspired with an idea. The third week of July, we're going to pick a date. And it's every, everyone who's listening and watching, we're going to pick a date. And we're going to have a Thrive Time Tournament. And we're going to Facebook Live the Thrive Time game. So everyone, I want you to go to SharonLector.com. Can they get Thrive Time from their website? Yes. Uh-huh. Right, they so can get it through my website or through Amazon, either one. All right, perfect. So I got my game, and we're going to get at it. And we're all going to play Thrive Time. We're going to pick a day, and we're going to make that the Thrive Time day, the day we thrive. And we're going to get the family together, but it's Thrive Time for teens. So if you're a little bit older, dye your hair, 
or just don't disclose it. Okay, now, because there's a teen that still lives in everybody. I want to get you moving. But it's by the time of a teen. So just imagine, you know, all your teenagers and everybody else who's mature enough and ready to play and even let the young ones watch and, and heck, what the heck, put them at the table. And let's all play Thrive Time together, Facebook Live. And here's the deal. We want to make sure once we get at least 25 people online that's going to play Thrive Time, we're going to Facebook Live, and whoever has the most funniest, hilarious, most impactful story or life lesson they get from the game, I'm going to uh, put $1,000 into that teen's bank account uh, for their education or, for, or even to finance them to go get out there to get some more personal development, some mentorship, and identify what their dreams are and get to some coaching, uh, a, a high-end coaching package, so we can take that teen and coach, and then we'll come back and let that, te- that team become the first ambassador of our Thrive Time ambassadorship of financial literacy. Now, I just made all of that stuff up, but I have to ask your permission. Do I have your permission to kind of together put something together like that? Fantastic. I love it. That would be incredible. And the game itself has a lot of humor in it as well, as you know. So people have a great time with it. But, yeah, I will love, love to see that come together. Okay, great. And just because I love our teams, I'll give $1,000 who's first, 500 who's second, and 250 who's third. But we got to get 25 people on Facebook Live playing the game. And, and with the commitment that once you play the game, you continue to play it and invite others to do the same. Sharon Lecter, I really say thank you so much. Um, there's some things that I, I, can, I can say that I won't right now, but I will tell you, is this for a reason? I can't see what you gave me. Oh, okay. You must be in a James Dilley Show group. To, Facebook. Okay, so come to Facebook and, and sign up for the James Dilley Show group, and we're going to play the game through there. I've just been instructed by everyone else what to do. <laughs> and that's no problem. I'm used to that. And I want to thank you, Sharon. You know, my wife is always right, at least 98% of the time, but the 2% she wasn't right was still debating. So, you know, it's still up in the air. But I'm just so thankful that you're here. Thank you for all you do. Uh, thank you, uh, Phil. He's just a wonderful, wonderful man. I've talked to him in a long time. I'm looking forward to reconnecting with him. And anything you're doing, we want to be a part of it. We want to support it. So I want to thank you so much being part of our show. And I'll see you on your show in a few minutes. Well, thank you so much, James. And thank you for all you're doing to support everyone and, and giving the opportunity to share, share my work. I really appreciate that. And please give your beautiful bride a hug. I certainly will. I was going to do that anyway, but I'll give his hands from you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that girl. All right, that's the end of our show, guys. Tune in next week for the James Tilly Show. Now, we're going to be going through my book, The Five Habits of of high performance, okay? The five frequencies, habits, five frequencies of high performance. I'm having a Stephen Covey moment. I think he's speaking to his channel. The five frequencies of high performance. We're going to go through the five frequencies next week, and then we're going to come back with the amazing Greg Reed. And you haven't heard anything you heard Greg Reed. He's funny. He's hilarious. He's one of a kind. He's one of Sharon's dearest friends, and uh, they did a lot of cool stuff together. So you're going to enjoy that. And we're going to talk about the wish man and why you need to go to a theater near you and see it. And if it's not a theater near you, we'll bring one to you. This ends our show. I want to thank you all for tuning in. And Sharon Elector, thank you once again. Thank you, James. It's been an absolute honor. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to The James Dentley Show. Be sure to join James for another inspiring show next Friday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll see you here next week.